Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the Red Dirt Golf Hour. I am Jared Gallagher. That is TJ Eckert, and that is Spencer Jury. You can find us on Twitter at RDGC underscore OK, and you can find us right here talking golf for the next hour or so here this evening. And we guys, we have a very special guest joining us here in just a few minutes. Josh Salee, he's a producer and a music artist based out of Oklahoma City. He's a Bixby native. He's a budding golfer, and we're uh, very excited to have him on the show here this evening. But first, guys, let's talk about the RBC Heritage that just happened uh, over the weekend. Who won? Matt Fitzpatrick won in a playoff at Hilton Head, and it was a lot. I, I It sounds like I didn't watch the golf. I watched a lot of the golf. Uh, unfortunately, I had to leave right as the playoffs started happening, but I followed it on my phone. Um, what are your thoughts on how I've got some hot takes for the RBC Heritage, but I want to hear how you guys thought the tournament went. Well, first off, they play just way too much golf, guys. Let's they, these <laughs> these pros are playing way too much golf. They need how, to get a break in how there. How dare they follow up the Masters with a twenty million dollar event? Listen, it's a it's just so rude of the PGA Tour to make these guys seven of the of the first ten weeks for elevated events. I just I just feel so bad for those guys. Think about how much they're having to spend on their jets flying all across. Yeah, so uh, sad. <laughs> no, it actually it's funny. We 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 joked about it. I think last week about all the elevated events and. All of them have turned out really good. It's been pretty crazy. So uh, great for Matt Fitzpatrick. It was funny. He got asked after the round, after the tournament, if this validated his, his U.S. Open win. And he was like, "What? I think the U.S. Open win validates the U.S. Open win. Uh, like, what, yeah. what kind of question? Because he hasn't won much. And so I think that's why I think that's the question. I think the U.S. Am win 10 years yeah. prior, eight years prior at Brookline validated the U.S. Open win. So crazy so great great playoff with with speed and uh fitzpatrick speed obviously missing a putt on the first playoff hole to end it just barely and you know, roll short or whatever but i, I put i made it up a point on twitter speed said coming into the week that he was exhausted he he made that joke i was making he said right. he's tired he's played a lot of golf lately elevated events fitzpatrick before the masters said i'm just hoping to make the cut i'm at the bottom right now like both of them are downplaying their game and they both are in the playoff this week so it's right. like Never, never trust a golfer. They just are always lying. So the guys who downplay themselves are typically the guys who play well. Uh, well great tournament. I thought it was a good finish. Heartbreaker for the speed fans out there. I thought that it's it's weird having an elevated event the week after the Masters, right? Very. Did it did it seem like that to y'all? It, yeah. It, I, it seemed it, like an opportunity to have a an educational event. But it's also I get from the tour standard like we've we've got momentum of the first major of the year. It's it's the best major of the year. It's the Masters. Let's keep the field strong for the next week and keep trying to draw in that viewership. And uh, I don't know. I think the RBC is a, a weird one to to have there. I think that it would just be a little bit more, you know, obviously schedules and everything like that. It doesn't line up, but something more like the API or the Genesis or something like that. The RBC is just kind of a weird elevated well i've always thought that the i've always thought that the heritage has been a good tournament it's got a good roster of champions throughout the years it's a a, an interesting pete die golf course and and i want to get into that here in just a little bit but you know it's always been a solid tournament i've thought you know now you throw eight figures behind it um for the payout and i i think it's just what you're talking about they're trying to compound on that momentum that you got i mean this is one of the most watched masters in years right uh, on Sunday. So you're just trying to take advantage of that momentum. 
You've also got the Zurich Classic, which is always a must-watch every year next week. And so just trying to keep that momentum going um, over the next couple of weeks and try to get you over to the to the PGA Championship next month. The PGA Tour is going to have to do some adjusting. And there's been suggestions about maybe rotating where the elevated events are in terms of, you know, maybe one week it's the sh- one year it's the Shell Houston Open or whatever. I don't know if I like that. Yeah. But they've gotten some good, they've gotten great results. I will say the point of the elevated events is to have all the best players in the world play together. And that's what they've, they've had that, right? I mean, obviously Roy skipped this week, which was kind of funny. But the 10 events, so I'm counting the major, so I'm counting the masters. Of those, of those 10 events, Rom and Scheffler have won five of them. So half the events have been won by two people. So it's like you're bound, you're trying to get all these great players to play together. And then ultimately right now, it's just the two best players in the world are winning tournaments. So right. it's kind of, you know, it's great that they have marquee guys winning these tournaments. Kurt Kitayama won the Arnold Palmer. So there's a little random guy that's throw in there. But so far, it's been kind of just two guys who have been winning these golf tournaments, which is great for the PGA Tour because they're big name guys. But we're sure. not seeing a lot of variety uh, that you would maybe expect to see. Do you think that it would be more beneficial if they had schedules assigned to each player before the season started to where John Rahm is not playing in the RBC or anything like that, but, you know, he's dedicated his, his schedule draw was the Genesis and, and whatever it is to where sure. that way. Yeah. So like a, a player at the beginning of the season can pick which elevated events he's going to play in. And then, so everybody knows in advance what, Almost what they like are. Almost like pick your bye week. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad idea. Uh, I thought my idea was if you have to skip, it's kind of a joke, but if you skip out on an elevated event, you can skip one. But if you skip another one, you have to add a non an educational event later on in the year. So that's the, the joke I made was that, well, Rory, you can skip the RBC, but now you have to play in the John Deere. It's like, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's what happens now. So sorry, you have to play in this, these events, but if you're not going to, that's fine. You just have to add another, like I say, an educational event. It, it, it feels a lot like NIL in college sports that they just kind of threw it together and they're seeing how it plays out right now. Um, yeah. I don't think this is going to be the final product for the elevated events. Um, but, um, you know, it yeah. is interesting to watch and see, you know, where certain guys' priorities are, right? I mean, yeah, everybody everybody praised John Rahm for coming. And again, nothing against John Rahm at all. He just won the Masters. He deserves to take a week or two off. But, you know, you praise him for hanging on to his commitment at the RBC. Well, geez. Why wouldn't you want to play for $20 million? I don't understand that. Like that would be idiotic not to. Sorry, Rory. <laughs> I, uh, we have a lot to, to talk about. You want to talk about some Pete Dye stuff. I know, uh, I heard some really good discussion and you guys can chime in on this from golf channel earlier today. They were talking about Jordan Spieth and Rory. So Spieth playing great. So he's the topic of discussion right now because the PGA is the next major and that's what he needs for the career grand slam. So the question was, will Jordan win a PGA before Rory wins a Masters? So, like, will Spieth complete the career Grand Slam before Rory does? thought it was a pretty interesting discussion. Spieth's younger, but the biggest thing for me, if you guys want to chime in, is that Rory is just a head case at Augusta National, and the PGA rotates every year. So it feels like the easy answer would be Spieth in that one, but it's weird picking against Rory um, in a a competition like that, if you will. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if the – it's going to happen this year at Oak Hill for Spieth, you know, considering how errant he is driving the, yes. the golf ball off the tee. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I think Rory ever since, I mean, he had his opportunity and, and blew up on the back nine on the second nine. Attaboy. Uh, yeah, golly, I'll never get that right. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that really messed with him. 
you know, however many years ago that was. And um, it's just, I think it's easier to wash your hands of it if you're Jordan Spieth and you're not playing well for just that reason. You're going to a different place every year and, and trying for that opportunity. Rory has to go back to Augusta year after year after year after year and relive those moments on the same holes that he screwed up. Uh, when he had an opportunity to win. I, I th- honestly think a better conversation would be how many majors would a Scotty Scheffler have or John Rahm have by the time one of those guys may complete their career Grand Slam. I'm kind of to the point now where I'm almost convinced that Rory may not win another major. I, I could see Spieth getting it. I, I, th- I think he's really kind of getting back in form. He fell off for uh, a while there, but he's he's playing well. He's striking the ball well. I think he's still really creative with his putts. But um, I think it's just a matter of time for him. If if we're looking purely at Spieth versus Rory, I'm going Spieth 100%. Um, but I, I I do think it could be a, a bit before either of them uh, win their major. I could definitely see Scheffler or Rom uh, getting another one before, before either one of them do. Yeah. Um, real quick, I wanted to make one or two quick points um, on the RBC before we put a bow on that one. First of all, we mentioned it earlier, Jordan Spieth, this season, he's 144th on the PGA Tour in driving accuracy, and he only hit 50 per- 57% of the fairways mm. uh, at the RBC and still put himself in a position to win, which is crazy. And he's like 60th in driving distance, I think. I don't know what the yeah. exact stat is, but he's not like a long hitter either. So it's like he's missing fairways and he's not hitting it very far. Right. So. It's it's crazy, especially as many trees as there are. Also, and I'm going to jump on the Spencer hot take train here for a moment. 18 at Harbortown. I don't think that's a very strong hole, especially when you're going to a playoff because well, of how is- wide the fairway is in the middle of it. They're just taking three wood down. They're kind of poking a three wood down there. I mean, you take, take this for example, Fitzpatrick and Spieth, the first 10 times they played it combined, they made 10 pars. Would you say that it's anticlimactic? <laughs> I would say it's very anticlimactic. And yeah. the 17th par three is way stronger of a hole. And I get it. Like all the fans are there. You want to play it right there with all the fans. But, you know, I, I, I don't know why people. Yeah, it's a beautiful hole. It's an iconic hole, you know, because you've got the lighthouse in the background and all of that. But it took Matt Fitzpatrick and Jordan Speed. 12 tries to get one birdie to win that golf tournament on 18. Are you telling me you weren't compelled by the nine iron that Matt Fitzpatrick hit to win the tournament? That was a nice nine iron. <laughs> he about made it, Jared. Yeah, it would have been a lot cooler if he did. <laughs> I will say it. now I've never played there, so I can't comment on it, but the, the area looks gigantic. And if you miss the fairway, that's really bad. So well, and, and that's my thing too, is, is the way the hole is situated. The design is so that you want to push it to the right. So what is all this, what is all this fairway off to the left doing? I mean, it, it's a great bailout spot, but you still, it doesn't help you with your approach at all. You've got to still hit it all over all of this swampy area. And so the, the play is to go right anyway, off of your, off of the drive. Um, so you've got a better angle into the green. So why are we even bothering with all of this extra fairway, these 40 yards of fairway over here? The late I mean, it, it's a resort course. I get it. You know, you, you don't are, want guys losing golf balls on the last hole of their last round of their vacation, but still, it just drives me crazy. If the die family is listening, I apologize for uh, my friend, Jared dishonoring yeah. your, I'm sure they are design. <laughs> well, and I've got one other point and this is going to take us kind of down a different, different path. And um, one of you guys said earlier, uh, Jared, I think it was you about how John Rom honored his commitment to playing the RBC. And one of the things that we've talked about is 
coverage of golf, how it's seemingly getting better. The, you mm. know, the, they're, they're putting AirPods and players on um, on the fairways or they're micing up shots. They're getting, you know, they're getting a lot better with parabolic mics, everything like that. But one of the things that they did this week that was maybe the best thing that has been done in golf coverage all season so far is putting John Rahm in the booth. Yeah. Putting, and, and showing the monitor. And I, I think that he was, he was doing an interview and they were like, Hey, can we just give you a headset? And he was like, yeah, sure. And so th- that's kind of how I got into that is honor and commitment and how he just kind of stuck around. Um, but man, that was incredible. Yeah. When he, he was covering the, the chips, whenever Cantlay chipped over the green and put it on a railroad tie and made a, incredible shot out of that but to hear rom's analysis of each one of their shots was fascinating stuff they they've got to figure out a way to do more of that and i don't know if that means i don't think it's bringing up a a player into the booth like you know they do that um that's pretty much how every announcer has gotten their start by being a former player and everything like that but i think getting a a player after their round that way you're kind of getting that real time i just stepped off the course analysis is it's huge. I thought that was incredible. It's crazy that all it took was for the PJ Tour to feel threatened by Liv to start getting innovative. <laughs> You're exactly <laughs> right. I mean, it, it was really, really cool. And, and I even tweeted about that right as it was happening. I mean, he stayed yeah. for two full segments. You know, it was probably 15 plus minutes of a broadcast. Um, and and goodness, I, I that's the most I've ever heard John Rom talk uh, in a situation like that. And he was very thoughtful, very analytical. Um, you know, he's got to, if the golf thing doesn't work out for John Rom, I think he could always, he'll have a career on the mic. If the golf thing doesn't work out for John Rom, <laughs> you can the masters <laughs> two weeks removed from the first major of the year, but hey, that golf thing doesn't work out. Uh, he can be a color commentator, hey, but you're hey. right. Jared. He, he was incredible. I thought he like his analysis was good. It was a good concept, everything like that, but him alone, I thought he was really, really good. Yeah, he was. Props to John Rom. Very good. Very well done. Um, also, uh, to that point, Smiley Kaufman has done a really nice job on the broadcast. Um, Johnson Wagner back in the studio, I think, is it has been really good the last month or so or however long he's been on. Um, I, I, I think they are doing a, a much more proactive job of, of getting some of those former guys in, that, some of the recent former guys in that um, have good personalities and and have really good relationships with the other guys. And so um, that that's been a positive thing for me on the broadcasts. Well, it's good to have Smiley having a, uh, a career after spring break boys. Um, <laughs> he's been the only decline there, uh, but it's good to see. Him. Yeah. The highlight of Smiley Kaufman's career was being a part of that group. That's like the, uh, you know, the, the video or the, it's like a meme of like a bunch of like really like, high profile athletes or whatever yeah. standing next to each other and just like a random clown. That's that's Smiley Coffin <laughs> oh, with that group that went gosh. to Spring Break Boy. Oh man. <laughs> Not is. sure that sentiment. <laughs> well I will I will retract our invitation to have Smiley Kaufman on our show. I love Smiley Kaufman, <laughs> but he was who was it? Wasn't it wasn't it Ricky, JT and Speed? Yeah. And Smiley yeah, Kaufman. I mean... <laughs> what? what? That's funny. Hey, boys, we, we got to get in a break. When we come back, we will talk with producer and musical artist Josh Salee from Oklahoma City. That's coming up after this on the Red Dirt Golf Hour, 107.7 The Franchise. Welcome back. Red Dirt Golf Hour, Jared Gallagher, Spencer Drury, and TJ Eckert. And joining us now is a good friend of ours, a producer, musical artist, and by far, the most famous Bixby Spartan we've ever had on this show. It's Mr. Josh Salee. Josh, welcome to the show. Um, welcome. I'll have to get you the Chris Harris plug. 
<laughs> yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Now, Josh, um, you are, um, you're a hip hop artist, a musical artist, a producer. You've got a lot of titles and talents. Um, but, but you're on a golf show right now. And there's a reason for that. It's because you are also an aspiring golfer. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it was more aspiring maybe a couple years back during COVID, but, um, I still like got back into it to compete. Um, and so I had found music after college and kind of just played, you know, every, every month or so randomly. Um, and then COVID hit and I got a call from James Stewart golf course and they were like, you know, we're, we're looking for some part-time help. And I'm like, okay, this is a great opportunity to, to play every day. Um, and if I think that to get to a level of playing where you compete, I mean, you have to play every day. Yeah. And just as like an artist, entrepreneur, cutting that out of my budget was a great idea. And then it ended up being like this huge blessing. I love it out there. I have a family out there now. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of had some fun, had played in some tournaments and stuff. And so now the business is rolling that I started and, and we have a little bit more free time. So I went back out there. I, I took like a year, a year, a uh, half of not being out there. Sure. And so I'll probably play in some, some OGA stuff, but I don't really have the time still to try to compete the way I, you know, the, the way I feel like I could actually go out there and play. Cause going out there in a tournament form <laughs> with not being ready, it, you're, yeah. you'll get exposed real quick. TJ knows that all too well. Hey, me, hey, me. I think TJ's beat me pretty much every event we've played in. So, thank you, Josh. First, I got I got trash. Well, I'm not. I'm not the most famous Bixby Spartan. I'm very far. I'm far down that list. Uh, so that was that was a nice little plug there. You did go to Bixby. We know each other from Bixby, obviously, Josh, and I, and even more so because your dad was uh, the pastor at the church I went to. We went to growing up at, at New Beginnings there in Bixby. What was it like growing up with a pastor as a dad i've always wanted to ask someone that i've never gotten really asked that before let me let me preface it with that i love my dad that's <laughs> okay. great he's a he's he's a great man and and one of those guys where i've never seen him be anything but what he preaches which is uh a commendable thing to watch yeah. uh you don't you don't really realize it when you're growing up but as far as being a pk that, that stuff was terrible because it was just like having 500 parents you know and um, I always remember I would get into it with teachers and they'd be like, well, I thought your dad was a preacher. And I'd be like, well, what's your dad do? And like, they'd say, what does that matter? I'm like, is, is he teaching English? Or are you like, well, I mean, what? Right. You do that? Same thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you shouldn't. And so there was just a standard there that was tough to, to, to take on at times because I was kind of the troublemaker, but at the same time I met so many people and I have such an extension of that family growing up. And, and, um, so it, it was as it's pros and cons and obviously, when your dad's a preacher, you're, you're at church all the time. And, and when I was a kid, I hated that. So uh, nowadays, though, man, it's 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 a blessing. And, and my dad's probably my biggest hero. He's just such a good dude. So I think as you get older, you, you kind of realize that they were just trying and you can't really hold them against it against them at that point. Well, I've got to commend him after the putting woes you told us off air. Um, I don't know that I have much faith in anything. So hey, uh, my like my dad, <laughs> I'll say it on air. My dad is, is the worst putter I've ever seen. I mean, he knows it. We've talked about it. He skips the putting range. He goes to the range and hits nothing but driver. And then he plays twice, three times, four times a year. And get, he just he just doesn't got it. He puts with this, like, really light Nike putter from, like, 2006. And it's, like, way too long for him. And he holds it at the top. And it's just it's chicken wing. It's it's a funny thing. But he knows it. And so I've tried to just always say it so that he would just get better. 
Josh, you mentioned that um, you know you're working back at uh, it goes by a, different, a bunch of different names: James Stewart, TPC Stewie, mm-hmm. Stewart National. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's kind of your preferred name for it? Do you, do you call it James E? I'd probably say James E is is your typical one, but you know it used to be Eastern Golf Course, so sometimes we'll be like Eastern Country Club or whatever. It's it's blowing up now that it, it's not the old clubhouse. It's it's actually kind of crazy. That, that was going to be my follow-up question is how's everything been? You've obviously been out Dude. there through the transition of it, new clubhouse, the course is getting more and more play. I mean, I, I work downtown and, and I try to get out there for, I mean, it's one of the best deals maybe in the entire state, $11 right. a walk, nine holes. It's incredible. So how, how's kind of that transition been with the new clubhouse and all that? Man, it was, uh, it was cool because when I got there, like when they called me, for James Stewart, they're like, are, are you sure? Have you been out there? And I'm like, yes, I know what it is. You know, it was a small clubhouse and it's, it just was just a different situation. And so it was hard to get people in there to work. It's like they were, that's why they were open me, open to me doing like a day a week. You know, I didn't have a schedule that permitted me like working. And so I just really, I was going to volunteer. Um, but I was like, okay, well, can you just work a day a week? So that was like, wasn't much play, but as soon as the uh, clubhouse went up, uh, you know, employees came in and then for whatever reason, it, it kind of like was with the, the the process of golf blowing up during COVID. So the, the growth was there before even in the cl- old clubhouse. But I think just as as it got over there, people are more inclined to be like, no, it's nice just because the course is in great shape. They do a great job of keeping it uh, in good shape. And, and, you know, it's not it's nothing electric, you know, the greens are, are going to roll a little slower, but it's a great golf course if you're just you're just trying to go play nine holes with your buds, or even if you're more serious and you just want to you know get a quick nine in. I really like it because the tiny greens. Um, once you go to another course, you're like hit, you're like hitting all these greens. You're like, what am I on today? And it's like, no, you just don't have a ten foot target. <laughs> and it's just been cool to watch it grow. And now it's like they had to do tee times, and and so it's just more of it's just running a little bit better. And I think it, the clubhouse just kind of plays into like the experience. Well, for any of our listeners out there, um, if you're anywhere around downtown Oklahoma City, it's it's pretty hidden. I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. people in the golf scene in Oklahoma City don't uh, know about TPC quite or Eastern or I'm definitely calling it Eastern <laughs> from now on. That's incredible. Uh, I've, I've had people since we've made posts on RDGC about it, uh, reach out and, and kind of ask, like, what is what is this course? And I tell them and they're like, oh, man, what that's that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, it's a it's a happy hour course. Like if you're downtown. <laughs> And you're you're dipping out of work a little early, go go get a quick nine in. You can go out with some buddies, grab a couple of brews, and have a great time. And but yeah, it, it it is in great shape all the time. I always love getting out there for a quick stroll. It, it helped back when they didn't have tea times. They had to do them because they got so busy. But it helped because Lincoln's going to fill up, Hefner's most times going to fill up, and then people aren't really sure. And then you know a lot of people aren't aware of like Trosper and. Uh, early wine unless you live in those areas and so i think once you find out it's it's so it's so close to your 23rd street pisteo it's it's the closest place to play and get on and so i i yeah i, I think it's uh i think it's cool and people every time they come out they're like man i had fun and and i play with a bunch of guys who are not low handicappers so they're they're having a blast because they're, they're like dude i played with the same ball all day and i'm like well i only had about three chances to lose it but <laughs> 
Uh, don't worry. I've I've blast hooked one straight over into the park on number two or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. over the yes. fence plenty of times. Oh, so I've I've donated donated plenty on that the second par five, which is a great <laughs> hole. If, if if you haven't played it, that's if people are out there. Number seven is a really good golf hole. I mean, it, it really is. It's a tough tee shot. It's an interesting layup. If you hit a good tee shot, then you got to think about going over the pond and there's the pond behind it. It's just a tough green. It's a cool hole. Very cool hole. Josh Salee is our guest here this evening, producer, musical artist based in Oklahoma City. He's a Bixby native. Um, and Josh, I, I wanted to ask you because you grew up um, playing sports, obviously. You played basketball growing up. Hip-hop and basketball have, have, have kind of gone hand-in-hand hand with one another. Um, totally. And, you know, how how has your, your, your career playing competitive sports affected what you do now with your music career? Right. Um, I mean, obviously, like you said, hip hop and basketball, that's where the love came from. It. I was like in seventh, eighth grade playing AU ball, traveling the whole van's freestyling. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I did better than that. I, I did better than that. And so then I did it. And, you know, the reception when you do like that and it's good, you're like, OK. So it was really just a hobby because sports, you know, I'm thinking going to the NBA until I'm like 17. And then golf wasn't something I loved to compete, but I wasn't nearly as like the opportunity to get better wasn't nearly as there, I would say. Right. Ended up my senior year having a pretty good year, and I'm going to go to UCO to play. I get my bag stolen at Allstate, and I accept a new dream bag from this company called Golf Illustrated that had a small print magazine, and they featured me in the magazine and got me this whole shoes and everything. And so when I get to college, there's like a, a letter, you know, like about my eligibility that's just like oh, this, is be this is being looked into. Yeah. And at that point, I'm like, at UCO, I've already kind of had some friends and I'm like, dude, I've been about sports this whole time. Let's just have some fun. So I just kind of walked away from it. Sure. And that that kind of is like what I regret is that I was so focused on sports that music kind of was the later in college finding sure. where it was like I was already doing it. But had I have just like my dad's an incredible musician, if I would have just let him teach me more and that passion that I had early on, I, I wish I could have chased that more. And so it kind of works both ways because I, I love sports and, and I think that playing team sports and, and, and then also playing golf is, is such a good experience for a young man. You know, being out there and struggling in a tournament by yourself yeah. is, is a very like alone feeling. Um, and so, yeah, I think that a little bit of the grit in my career to be what I want to be uh, as far as music goes has came from being a gym rat, being a range rat, you know. I'm kind of have an obsessive personality with things I enjoy. Sure. You know, and, and so when it's something that I love that might actually be a career, it was just like, okay, I can, I can dive into this. And I think you've talked about that before too, right? Like the parallels between, you know, the, the grind of making music and the grind of getting better at a sport, especially a sport like golf. Right. I mean, a lot of that goes hand in hand with one another. A hundred percent. I, yeah, I did say something the other day. It was like, they're very similar is because you're going to get what you put in hundred yeah. percent when you're, a, whether you're an entrepreneur or artist or anything you're really doing, but, but golf is like, like you can have things that get you better. Uh, there's money. There's like in music, there's money. If you, if you're, if you, you can be bad and have good marketing. Right. But like, you can't be bad at golf and succeed. Right. And, and that's, that's the beautiful part that I don't love about music and sports is that there is kind of a, a cliche type artist that that's almost like a, just a mockery or satire that kind with that enough over money, commercialized. Right. Like you can't just make, you can't just make tiger woods and that's right. why he's tiger woods. You know what I mean? And that's my favorite part about, about golf is like, it's just on you, man. Like 
you know, it's, it's such a difficult sport to get good at. And then it's such a difficult sport to get it really good at. I mean, the, the, I was, I was seeing, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying the, the drop from a 15 to a five is quick, but a drop from a five to a zero is, is a lot. And then a drop from a zero to a plus is, is, is even harder. So I love that part about golf is, is that the people who are here are out here because they're the best. Well, your music's really great. Uh, I've been listening to it for a long time. How how's the the correlation between the two between golf and your music? You've got a, a album out there, Birdie Putt. You're kissing the claret jug on the on the cover of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it. I, I think that that's a an area of the game that is really growing um, right now. With golf is dope is a big brand out there. Right. Um, Mal Bonds is a, is another big mover there. Roger Seal's a big prominent figure. Um, how, how's kind of the, the hip hop and golf transition going? Uh, how's that being kind of received on, on both ends? Right. I, this is kind of like the first go I've really gave at it of like, you know, I've, for me, it's, it's looking at all these things that can work on the internet to grow your audience. You know, there's people who just play golf that people watch a lot of that, you know, just, you got the good, good guys. People just watch them play golf. It's not like they do anything else. And then you have musicians who just post music and, you know, in front of a camera and that's kind of their, their thing. And so for me, I, my favorite things to do is play golf, make music, travel and eat food. And so if I can somehow tell my story while incorporating these elements of that people enjoy watching and, and, and it kind of gives them an, the golf video content is a great time to talk and be seen for your personality and, and things like that. So the goal of the transition is to obviously pull as much as you can, just eyes on what your actual art is, you know, and you know, TikTok is so full of, of just so much. It's, it's, you're going to have to try different things. Um, and just, I have two pages and, and the golf content has really worked uh, in both ways. And we're just now starting to kind of really see what works and, and, and kind of go in on that. So like later this year, I'm doing three EPs and one of the EPs is to go on a golf journey and sleep in my Prius camp out and play five courses in 10 days and make five songs. And, you know, each city document the golf document um, the nightlife there, whatever I go do place to eat. And then, make a record in that city, sample an artist from that city and kind of tell a story of that city. Um, so it's just continuing to do what I would do with my day. I play golf all the time, but now kind of like, Hey, I play golf, but I also make music and that's like what I actually do for a living. And so, um, it's been interesting. And I think we're only going to figure out better ways. There's so much golf content right now. And I know that's just my algorithm, but there really is a lot. Um, but I've seen people like, have you guys heard of Busta Jack? Oh yeah. That that cat that kid's from Edmond. He started out playing Oak Tree. He started out playing Quail Creek. You know, and and I mean that 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 took off. So it's it's not saying that's the goal, but it's 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 been seen. I've seen it done, and that's sure. that's cool. And he was so consistent. And then in reality, that's just what it's about: is trying new things, being consistent. And so I think the golf thing is just like hopefully they hear the music and they're like, "Damn, this is good." Like this this dude's can corral. He made this beat, and then they're like, "Wait, he shot." to 73 that's cool like this is interesting you know what i mean and so that's kind of the shtick i guess oh that's really cool that's really cool josh hey guys let's get in a break real quick when we come back we'll have more with josh salee producer music artist in oklahoma city that's coming up after this on the red dirt golf hour 1077 the franchise 
Welcome back to the Red Dirt Golf Hour here on 107.7 The Franchise. TJ Eckert, Jared Gallagher, Spencer Drury, our guests, Josh Salee, joining us for this final segment of our show this evening. And Josh, two Spartans here chatting. Doesn't yes, get sir. any better than that. I'm curious. I don't know if I know the story, actually. What, well, A, what got you into rap? But B, what kind of made your career take off in that in that element? Um. You know, like we said, basketball and hip-hop kind of go hand-in-hand. The first rap song that I was like, what is this, was Bone Thugs and Harmony Crossroads. And I was like, this is is the coolest thing I've ever heard, you know. And um, that just kind of went into an affinity for music. And um, once I was like kind of started doing it in college just for fun, you know, like it was just like, yo, throw something on YouTube, have fun with it. But I had a bunch of friends and – the this guerrilla marketing company hit up like 40 local artists like do you want to open for bone thugs and harmony uh no it was just busy bone actually and um i was like yeah like this is this is awesome and no one knew what i was doing and but i sold they're like whoever sells the most tickets gets the first spot so all these other guys have probably been grinding for a long time this is my first show i've been rapping on the internet maybe two months and i sell like 100 tickets and i get the first spot oh and I didn't even have any songs recorded. So I just had to like figure out some songs. I remember I remixed uh, Mr. Carter by Lil Wayne, just the worst song ever. Man. I mean, <laughs> this, this this was a terrible song. Um, and But I sold a bunch of tickets. So the next guy's like, hey, can you do Paul Wall next month? I'm like, dude, I'm going to be famous in like three weeks. <laughs> and that was, was such a long time ago. But it kind of just, you know, being on stage is what really draws me the most to what I do. It's It's 40 minutes of pure presence and basically like you're blacking out up there and you don't get that opportunity a lot once you're an adult to just kind of have that and so that was what i kind of got became addicted to but what really launched it is we were doing good work here i started taking my craft seriously and throwing my own shows and the thunder players started coming to the shows we were throwing and you know they're having a good time there's a lot of people there they're young kevin durant loves hip-hop music like and he's like, yo, I got a studio. I make beats and stuff like that. And I'm waiting tables at Fish City Grill in Edmond. And I get a call from the guy who was managing me. And he's like, hey, Kevin Durant wants us to come over to a studio and listen to beats. And I'm like, uh, I, I think I was shocked. And I called my friend who was like my best friend, producer. Shout out Blev. He's a Bixby Spartan, too. We grew up playing baseball and sports together. Amazing producer, massive part of my career. Uh, he covers my shift. <laughs> he like comes in. He didn't want to at all, but it was just like a can't pass moment. And then um, Kevin Durant's playing beats and my the guy managed me. His name's Greg Thomas. He gets his phone out and he uh, says, yo, rap to this. And so I rap to it and I rap really fast and Kevin Durant and James Harden and is all in there and they both comment. And so I tweet Kevin Durant later that night and I was like, I wonder if Katie Trey would let me release this footage of me rapping on his beat. And he says, do it. And so I put it on the internet and it goes locally just everywhere. I was on like every news station. And so it was just like a boom moment. And then from that, we just hit the ground running and like just did as much as we could to bring good concerts here and put my name, our brand in front of people. And it really developed to like a Midwest thing and and a 10 year career, which is what you would have told me back then. I, it would have just been like, nah, bro, I'm not, I'm not doing this that long, if, you know. If it's just here, because it's never fully, you know, blown up. It's a very unique thing. Like when I meet other people, they're like, wait, how do you make me? How do you make money? How do you, what, you know, they're like, there's so many questions. Like you live in Oklahoma, you've lived in Oklahoma for 10 years and 
so it's just product of like back then we could sell shows then spotify comes around did the right things to have a couple songs blow up in the streaming world and that really drove an algorithm to create a uh you know a residual income through streaming music and shows and so now i have started a record label and and we got a cool investment in that and and that's been kind of the next phase of my life is is producing and and being more putting on younger artists who who didn't didn't have like i mean we had we were guinea pigging man we just hey i'm gonna be your manager and he's like i you know he had no experience i had no experience and so it was just a product of a bunch of people caring and then you know just just putting yourself out there i think that a lot of what people want to do and maybe aren't doing is is as simple as committing to it for a year and no you know not worrying about what people think and that was that was something that i think and in it, in of itself, if you don't like the music, you can respect. What what a casual name drop! Hey, just hanging out with Katie and James Harden. Uh, are you still in touch with two NBA final participants? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because I mean, then they were stars, right? They're budding young stars. You know, Oklahoma City, not a lot to do, but from the point where they were to where they're at, and you know, believing and and everything, you know, yeah, I like I probably could have, I. I'll tell you a funny story. And this was one of the coolest moments of my life. I'm at Outback Steakhouse on a date. And in comes Russell Westbrook across the, the bar. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if he'll recognize me. Like, I've met him at these shows. Like, I'm not telling this girl that, you know. I'm just like, that would be cool if he did. And so I sit there for a second. And he looks over and he goes, yo. And he walks around the bar and daps me up. And I'm like, hey, man, how, how are you doing? He's like, hey, man, good to see you. He's like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And then walks back and I was literally like, and she, she like looks at me. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, yes. What a moment. That's so sick. That's awesome. I, I'm, I, I'm, the most shocking I, moment of that story is that Russell Westbrook was at an Outback. Same, same. And it was like, <laughs> it was like 7 p.m. You know, I had like 200 bucks to my name. It was, it was funny, man. It was... <laughs> That's hilarious. So, Josh, you know, you've had opportunities and you could probably, you know, you talk about developing your craft here in Oklahoma. Um, there have been opportunities, right, to go to L.A., to go uh, to bigger cities that have more pronounced, you know, opportunities there in the hip hop game. It, it, does part of you want to like, is it a pride thing? You want to stay in Oklahoma and kind of develop not just your craft, but also the the Oklahoma rap scene? I mean, you mm -hmm. know, what is it about? Oklahoma that keeps you here I think a lot about of it is you could put a, a, a numerous things through the years of was I think at times it was ego I think at times it was fear I think at times it was comfort um and then at times it was just such a good feeling of like being somewhere where you know tons of people and you could call just about anyone for, for whatever favor you needed right um oh hold on getting a call sorry you must have really needed to answer that he he dipped <laughs> out on us i tried to forward it and it answered it did you hear what? her no, no it was, we were no, wondering no. if it was kevin durant calling you <laughs> he's like shut your mouth I, my ears are burning <laughs> <laughs> um i don't even remember what i was saying man but uh yeah Sorry about that. That's cool. No worries. Well, do you, yeah. you want to do a plug or anything like that? You got new music that has dropped. You yeah. Uh, if if you're in Oklahoma City, I run a record label called 88 Rec. We throw a 
event every last Friday of the month. It's called Math. It's free. We give a ton of giveaways. It's live music from Oklahoma artists. It's awesome. And then if you're interested in hearing my music, you can check out my album Flamingo um, out on all streaming sites. It's really, really good. It's great for the golf course. Um, and speaking of golf, Josh, uh, one of your last TikToks that you did or your last run of TikToks, um, you, you played a hole of golf. Mm-hmm recorded all of these different sounds tees dropping and and you know clubs going through and, and all of this stuff and you you mix that and you made a beat with it and then you rap to it and it's incredible <laughs> and uh you, you had a line in there i had to i had to like pause your tiktok and screenshot this because i thought the line was unbelievable uh that you wrote and i don't know I, I, your creative I process i hope it's the line you're talking about because i i, I loved that line if it's the Johnson line, I love it. I'm, I'm handled like Dustin. Like, who, who are you to judge how a guy want to live? L-I-V, yeah. live. <laughs> how good is that? <laughs> I heard it, and I saw that you had a screenshot of it on the, on your TikTok, and I was like, oh, my God. So that took me like four or five times watching the TikTok <laughs> to try to find that spot and screenshot it. I, I was driving down the highway today, and I was like, oh, my God, I've got to screenshot that. It's incredible. <laughs> so good. That's awesome. Thank you for that. So I, there's, good. I, I, I hate the short form content idea because there's like, you know, there's a little bit left of the verse and there's some funny parts that are like tough, like the open sucks, like a bogey, uh, something, something I'm up like the Hogan's. And then it's like, like golf with my homies. I always go first. Like there's just a bunch That's of like awesome. funny innuendos of golf and it's just fun to write, but I'm glad you noticed that line. Yeah, Thank dude. You. Is is that are you are you gonna pursue that? Are you gonna make that a single? <sighs> so we're working for, with for the, us. Do it for us. Yes, I'm going to finish it, but we're like reworking how that's we're gonna try and make that video quicker to see if it gets a better response. Sure. You know? And so like we're trying to get it to where someone's like, I want to hear the rest. So that's cool. Well, I think I think you have to do it now that Jared openly mm-hmm. on there that he risked his life and others' <laughs> lives to screenshot it. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'll have to finish it. But thank yeah, you, Gary. That's that. that's dope. That's dope. Well, hey, let's get to the last loop, Josh. Uh, this is a kind of a, just a quick fire section where we'll ask you some quick questions and and you can answer them. Um, we always have a lot of fun with this, and we'll start off with your dream foursome from the state of Oklahoma. So you and three others, and what Oklahoma golf course are you playing with those guys? Holy gals. cow! Holy cow! Um, well, I'm gonna go out there and throw Kevin Durant in there, man. There you go. Does that work? Can I do oh, that? Oh, yeah. Uh, He's in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, so we got to count him. Okay. Um, I think I would enjoy playing with Bob Stoops. Hmm. Um, not even a Sooner fan, to be honest with you. It's just like, I don't know. It seems like a funny guy. Just bring me. the tequila brand. It'll be a grand uh-huh. time. <sighs> man, let's just bring my dad along, man. There we go. And, and what course are you playing? 2006 white hawk golf course at a boy love it great Great answer that's awesome okay and that leads into our next question what is your favorite golf hole in the state and what is the hardest golf hole in the state Ooh, my favorite golf hole i really like 18 at twin hills i really like um nine at the golf club of oklahoma oh buddy i tell you what the territory is really hard so you're telling me <laughs> we barely survived it on my bachelor party. We have some so, fun stories from the territory with uh, that, uh, that, that hole. I think it's on the front, but it's like a 260, 270 carry over the, the, 
like all the junk. Yeah, all and, the gunch. Yeah. You still have a blind, like 210 with a bunker in front and a pond left. That's and absurd. Like a, it's, I mean, it is a really hard hole. That course is, is so hard, but it's a, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, a lot of fun. We love the territory down in Duncan. Okay, you are the best musician golfer on TikTok. You've said that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another musician who's come out of Tulsa kind of around the same time as you who plays a lot of golf and has even been in the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am is okay. Ben Rector. Who wins, I, a, who wins a money game between you and Ben Rector? I'm taking Ben out, bro. He ain't playing as much golf as me, I don't think. <laughs> hey okay. ben, if you're li- ben if you're listening i'm i'm very welcome to playing because not only are you much larger than me musically i've heard you can you can you can play but I, man i i got some game man i got a little game and when the money's there i i, I can play a little bit so i love it i love the confidence i tell well, you what I, I, I can vouch for it i follow him on the grant josh puts put some good scores out there this is my thing about golf when you're betting and my problem is i am I love playing golf and I love having fun out there. So sometimes I'm too nice. These guys are comfortable and they, they play a career round. Like anytime I play in team matches, me and my buddy are, are nice. They just wax us when we're like, Hey, let's just be a little more reserved. These guys play terrible. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. And, and, and finally on our last loop, if you had to switch places for a day with another person named Josh, I'm going to give you three options. Would it be, Second team, all Mountain West Conference and Buffalo Bills quarterback, Josh Allen. Oh, man. Would it be Hollywood actor best known for his role as Olaf in Disney's Frozen, Josh Gad? Or Moses's <laughs> assistant to the regional manager and conqueror of the biblical Battle of Jericho, simply named Joshua? <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't take that responsibility that man, our boy Joshua had, so I'll I'll go with Josh Allen. I feel like it's a good Josh life right Allen. now. I I almost want to go Josh Jacobs, McLean High School, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Man, would you rather be Josh Jacobs or Josh Allen? I'm taking Josh Allen, man. Josh Allen. He's a good he's golfer. Still got, too. He's still got the game on the links. Yeah, he's a good. He's got a great swing. Jared, I'm shocked you didn't put Josh Proctor somewhere in there. Well, yeah, that was, yeah. get, get that, my Wassa Rams in there. That yeah. was hilarious. I was just going to say Josh Groban. Oh. Okay, that was another choice, but I couldn't figure out how to fit like teen mom heartthrob in there. So we'll, <laughs> we'll go with it. Hey, Josh, thanks so much for being with us. We've got to get one more. We got to get your pick for the Zurich Open, Spencer. Do you want to kind of recap where we are in our season standings, and then we'll we'll get Josh's pick and then our picks? Yeah, absolutely. Five weeks into it, wrapping up with the RBC. Uh, Jared, you went with uh, Ricky Fowler. I went with Sam Burns. TJ, Colin Morikawa. Shout out to Eddie. Went with Victor Hovland. Uh, someone had to finish last, and it wasn't uh, TJ. Thank you. But he did finish last in the points because Eddie's uh, points don't count. Uh, Jared and I tied with two and a half points per with Ricky and Sam. Weekend at Bernie's coming in with a six under final round, tying it up with uh, with BDR, and then Colin Morikawa uh, getting TJ one point. That brings our season total. Jared and I are, are tied there as well, 12 and a half each. TJ, five. Um, and let's Come hope on. you have a better week sometime soon. Appreciate that. And, and with that said, it's time to move to the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. This is always a fun week to watch. Um, guys, this is a, a team competition. I think it's the only team competition uh, of the season. Is that correct? Other than like the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, right. yeah. Yeah, right. Of the regular season. So, Josh, um, let's let's get your pick first. You're our guest, so we'll let you go ahead and pick first. 
I feel like my pick is just kind of unfair, but it's like I'm taking Hama and uh, Morikawa. Uh. <laughs> I mean, and right now, dude, I need to go to Vegas because I got I had UConn, and then in my Fanduel, I had uh, Cantley and Rom for the Masters. So I'm, I'm, oh. I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on pace yeah. right now. You're on a tear, no doubt. That's a great pick, great pick. So you got Colin Morikawa, Max Homa. Um, I'm gonna go. Can I get the next pick, right, Spencer? Yes, I we won saw our coin it toss. It, yeah, it, it was rigged, but whatever. Well, you know, defending champions would be the common pick in Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley, but I just can't pick Patrick Cantley. So I'm going to go Team Kim. Siwoo Kim and Tom Kim are going to be my pick to win the Zurich Classic of New Orleans this week. Uh, I, applaud, I, like I applaud your non Cantley decision. We applaud it over here. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely are not going to go Cantley. I'm going to go, and two names I, I I never would have thought that I would have picked at any point at this point of the season. Harris English, Tom Hoagie. Mm. Mm. That's not a Creative. bad one. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, I should just I should just pick Shoffley and Cantley just to, to make a point. <laughs> I mean, you should. They got a great chance. Yeah, why not? Yep, we're doing it. Come on now. Wow. I love I love me some slow, slow play, baby. Let's go with uh, Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley. Uh, you know what? Cantley does have to play every hole because one day is alternate shots, so like he only has to hit a couple shots, so it won't be as bad as a typical tournament, and uh, they're both playing good, so yep. Hey, Josh, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it so much. Of course. I had fun, guys. Josh Salee, producer, music artist here in Oklahoma City, and, um, you know, maybe future champion, major champion one day. Champ, cha- champion Stewart, bud. Champion Stewart. There we go. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. Josh Salee, thank you so much. And that'll do it for us here on the Red Dirt Golf Hour. We hope to see you next week for more golf talk here on 1077 The Franchise. Good night, everybody.